Welcome to a podcast about Star Trek. My name's Leo. I like Star Trek. Hi, I'm Jack. I don't like anything. Um, Yay. That's the premise. That's the premise <laughs> right there in just a couple quick uh, doodads. Jack, how are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm okay. I got outside for a little bit, so nice. that was nice. It's fucking nice out. Yeah, I, I actually went for, uh, for a drive. I had to go do a, a consultation for an insurance claim for a winery that had some flood damage. Oh. Putting my profess- professional wine expertise to use. So that was cool. What like what questions did they have for you? What I was like quality assessment of the wines and then just kind of, they basically need somebody who's not on the receiving end of the insurance right. settlement to, you know, give their opinion of potential damages and, you know, they had bottles that got wet. They had, you know, winery equipment, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, drove out to oh. uh, one of the wineries out uh, south of town and checked Sweet. out some stuff. Really yeah. nice day for a drive. Getting ready to go backpacking for the weekend. Uh, Sweet. So Where are you going? Fun. Going in uh, Boise National Forest, um, basically up above Arrow Rock Dam. Oh, okay. This will be yeah. very fascinating for all of our... Uh, Alaskan listeners and Australian <laughs> listeners who are so familiar with the geography of the yeah. area surrounding Australians Boise, Australians love the uh, Boise front. Yeah. Um, that's a thing about them. Yeah. You're always, <laughs> always running into them. Just Australians out there hiking in the Boise mountains. I feel like I've seen at least one Australian out there, but I'm out there. <laughs> I'm out there too much. One let's, let's do the podcast that we do. Oh, okay. Uh, Jack, uh, what happened last time? <laughs> oh, last time was when I when I pierced the veil and and realized that all of this show has been the computer trying to kill them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Jordy, um, quote unquote, accidentally. <laughs> well, no, Jordy. It wasn't. It. I'm not saying Jordy's part of this. Let me be clear. He is uh, not conspiring with the computer to no, murder the crew. No, no. I mean, Jordy is like halfway to a cyborg. He's like Darth Vader, more machine than man. Yeah. Um, that seems problematic. He just can't <laughs> see, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he just has an extremely advanced version of glasses, which I don't know if you noticed, but I'm wearing glasses. Uh, yeah, so you're like 10% of the way to cyborg. Okay, well... <laughs> This is a new problematic thing that you're doing. Now. <laughs> um. uh, yeah. Anyway, so. yeah, Jordy, Jordy, trying to trying to play detective with data, um, told the computer, gave the computer a little bit too much uh, run on its leash, and the computer tried to make, or did make, actually a uh, AI entity that could could and would kill everybody on the starship and then the also i don't feel like we dug into this enough on the last episode but the computer helped him so much like every time moriarty was talking about like how he knew what was really going on it was because he'd asked the computer oh yeah 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 you're right only really hammer on that but, yeah, the only reason this didn't work for the computer is because it created something with free will, and then Picard talked 
Moriarty out of it. But it was a it was a good fucking try. The computer absolutely should have been like, "Who the fuck are you? Why are you asking me?" Like, mm-hmm. no no password requests, no voice check. Yep. You know, ID or anything like that. Just like, yep. "Oh, somebody asked a question. Here's the answer to your question." Yep. Computer's trying yeah. to kill them all. Computer's trying to kill them all. I'm That's... really looking forward to uh to considering that element in every we... episode for yeah. the next what three years or however long we have to do this <laughs> yeah i think it's about just i don't know two more years three more years or something it's like a hell yeah baby episodes uh yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm excited so we talked about the uh, the name of this episode it's the outrageous okona i think it is Did we and talk about it? i don't remember uh, yeah you I'm didn't sure have a did. guess because it is a cryptic that's impossible yes yeah but uh, I was thinking about it and I read like the first two lines and I'm really hoping and I'm kind of excited. I hope I'm right uh, that this Okona guy is someone similar to Cyrano Jones. Ooh, just like yeah. kind of a, a space uh, huckster grifter, grifter kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. So fingers crossed that that's who this guy is because I just in a couple of sentences got the impression that that was the basic idea but i don't i have no idea if that's how the characters actually played or anything like that but i think it's some some kind of a uh yeah guy that's like exciting that. if, if so um if fascinating yeah. if true <laughs> yeah um yeah that i don't i don't i mean i don't have another guess because i haven't done i haven't looked into it at all but yeah uh, that's fine um I love Cyrano Jones. Cyrano Jones rules. Yeah, I mean, we all do. Yeah, I think. Do you actually have show notes now? Are you like being professional? I have a show notes file that is shared with you that I shared <laughs> with you months ago. <laughs> you have access to it on your phone, on your computer. You can open it, edit it. It's, oh yeah, it's in. <laughs> You're at, you yep no you're absolutely right. Um, now that I've now that I've asked the question and then and then been rendered a clown <laughs> in front of all of our, of our of our viewers who have all respected me so much up until now. They regard you so highly, and that all of that high regard has just been dashed ashore. Yeah. Uh, like. Yep like so many shuttlecrafts on the planet where that big black thing lived that killed Tasha. Anyway, Jack, what else should our listeners do instead of watch this show this week? Uh, not take lyrical composition from you. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm not bad at word making. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> now, since you mentioned Australians, I've, I've gotten really into this weird australian podcast that's sort of vaguely political but not it's mostly just like people hanging out being pals um it's called bunta vista social club (laughs) Uh, good title yeah and it's it's very like slow and it's very it's very australian i think because it's like they're just they're very like laid back and just sort of like just talking all right. in, their, in their Australian accents and they're very charming and then 
they have like different little segments they do. Like there's like an animal corner segment um, where they just talk about animal news. There's a, uh, there's a segment where they just follow. There's apparently there's one extremely famous cricket player from Australia who is just an absolute piece of shit. And just that. every, in just every couple episodes, they check in on him and he's, and like what wacky thing he's doing. Um, yeah, it's a very charming show. And since we'd mentioned Australians in the, in the up top, I thought I'd shout out to my favorite Australian and only Australian podcast that I listen to. All right. Boonta Vista Social Club. Check yep. that out. I spent the drive, uh, out to, uh, Hammett and back listening to knowledge fight podcast which i don't know if i want to recommend that i've still never actually listened i've never actually it's, listened to that they show. do a fantastic job but it's just a straight rebuttal of everything that alex jones says so you can't listen to it without listening to alex jones's absolutely oh, deranged <laughs> bullshit um so they good do a good job of of like very um very thoroughly disassembling every just looney tunes bullshit claim that comes out of that guy's mouth right um but yeah then now i'm aware of a bunch of the looney tunes yeah that seems that, that guy believes yeah that seems yeah. like i i i listened to um one called QAnon anonymous which is a uh, same principle but for but for like the QAnon people and it's like yeah. i like the show and I like that they they don't do the like straight like liberal bourgeois media thing of like saying oh no this is all kooky like they they like they just did one on Bill Gates and the Bill Gates conspiracy and they're like no Bill Gates sucks for different reasons right it's not because of this shit it's because of this other shit and so I like that but then it, but it is also like oh, fuck now I have to like know what's going on in QAnon and I just yeah I don't know man <laughs> it's fucking exhausting knowing those people are out there yeah and there's so many of them and I see the stickers like I'm driving around town and I see QAnon bumper stickers on like they're re like real people you know what I mean yeah they're like your neighbors and shit yeah no a guy that I know you know, have met professionally. He's always leaned a little bit more to the right and we're not close friends or anything like that, but we're friends on Facebook and he posted a, he didn't post the pandemic or uh, pandemic video. He wasn't like, Oh my God, you got to see this, but he posted a, well, it might not be complete bullshit like that kind of thing. Yeah. No, I, I, a bunch of people that I know through like work and stuff posted it. And just being just to be like just asking questions, and it's like, yeah. <sighs> no, well, and it's like when I I don't think you were I don't think you got involved in this conversation chain, but I posted something about that woman who got arrested in the park. Uh, so listeners who are not in Boise, uh, of course, we're still in the middle of the lockdown <laughs> a couple weeks ago. So uh, hang on. Speaking of this, this actually got brought up on that Australian podcast I was just talking about. Oh, my God. OK, good. Australians, you already <laughs> heard of it then. I mean, if you listen to Bunta Vista Social Club, which I assume you do because I assume you have one podcast. In Australia. So 
Actually, you know what Australians love is the Probably Science podcast, which is another podcast. Oh, fuck. I forgot should... about Probably Science. That great show. Australians yeah. love it. And this is now a show that all we do is recommend podcasts. We're off Star Trek. We're just recommending podcasts now. It's just a snake eating its own asshole. That, um, and also that podcast already exists. Um, yeah. So this woman from a, a suburb of Boise uh, decided to violate the stay-at-home order and take her children to the playground at a park. The park, first of all, was open. The park was not closed. Right. Only the playground equipment was off limits. She announced it all over social media, deliberately tried to draw the attention of the police. The police t- showed up, asked them an infinite number of times, politely and with unbelievable patience they did the Uh, thing that cops should do like i wouldn't have a problem with cops is that if that was what they did all the time yeah and so she finally please just don't do this yeah you watch the video and the guy just feels seems exhausted yeah (laughs) he's like why why can't i be here he's like i've said it so many times right like the it's the park director can close the playground for any fucking reason yeah and she just doesn't, won't hear it, demands to be arrested, turns around, puts her hands behind her back, he arrests her. And then there was this fucked up thing with uh, the Idaho Freedom Foundation and uh, Ammon Bundy getting a bunch of probably armed people to show up at the police officer's house for doing his fucking job. So every yep. single one of them, those people needs to take whatever thin blue line flag garments or stickers they have on their trucks and shove them directly up their fucking asses. But anyway, why did I start talking about this? You, we were talking about you had an interaction with somebody. Oh, we were talking oh, about the, yeah. the, the, that documentary that made the, Right. Quote unquote so, documentary that made the rounds. Up. What got me on this was the idea of that. Oh, I'm just asking questions kind of thing. So I posted something about how obnoxious this woman was. Uh, and somebody who I'm friends with uh, on Facebook commented that kind of, well, you know, it could like the argument that she's making, you know, could have repercussions for something that you care about, specifically the fact that they're basically in a bunch of these right wing reopen people have been uh, co-opting the my body, my choice uh, thing surrounding the abortion debate, which is so fucking disingenuous. Well, it's so cynical. And for anybody that says like, oh, this has implications for things you care about, like, Yes, it, you're right. It does. It shows that people can cynically co-opt it, which makes it less believable when you genuinely believe it. Yeah. So it, the implications are bad. Yeah, the implications are bad. You're trying to put the same weight on your ability to ignore your political leaders and go and take your kids and let them slop, swap snot on a goddamn merry-go-round with a bunch of other children that that has as much importance and as much weight as a woman's ability to have autonomy over her own goddamn body. Fuck you. You're saying that ignoring the social contract, just completely ignoring the social contract and doing something that you know will spread disease um, has just as much valor as getting an abortion when you can't responsibly bear a child. That's not good. No, it's bad. That's bad. You're bad people. Yeah, she's a bad lady. Anyway, on this comedy podcast. Anyway, um, on this comedy podcast about Star Trek. (laughs) Let's watch Star Trek. It's fine. Are you ready to learn about this Mr. Okona person? I hear he's outrageous.
I would actually love to learn about somebody outrageous right now. So yeah. this sounds nice. Sounds fun. Okay. We'll be back, listeners. Goodbye. Spaceship noise. <laughs> Roll. And we're back. Again. We're, we're back. We're back for the second time. We've been through a time <laughs> Listeners, paradox. you're going to get something right now and i don't know if it's i think it'll be good um i think it'll be good i think the the thing that i just lost was really good so i hope see what had happened i was i was having a i was having a really good time recording the thing that i just lost because my computer yeah so uh Um, we have the entire my side of the conversation that we recorded for like an hour and we lost all of jack's recording at some point, we may sit down and try to recreate Jack's side of the conversation and release that for you as bonus content. But uh, for the time being, we're just going to do our best to recreate our impressions of this episode and give you as close to a normal episode as possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as, as, as deep of a, a content well it would be to me, for me to try to riff over your <laughs> audio track of you talking to me without me in it that is so fucking metatextual i don't think anybody wants to i bet to listeners um, get at us if you want to listen to jack try and recreate his side of a conversation just based on my side of the conversation because i kind of want to hear that based on a remembered my side of the conversation <laughs> um so yeah I actually do get at us because that would also like i'm getting in more into audio editing and that would give me a fun thing to do um so anyway. what this episode gives us is the uh the enterprise arriving in a star system where apparently they're not welcome uh it becomes apparent later which is weird yeah that's so prime directive i don't yeah the prime direct as we have established we're not, we're not doing the, the prime directive yeah we're not means doing what they need it to mean for the convenience of the plot yeah we're not doing yeah. it this week um yeah but so we have uh discovered a guy jack would you like to tell us about captain okana so he is the missing link between han solo and captain jack yep. sparrow um that's, that's all. yeah that's pretty much it i feel like yeah i'm 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 a very like hemingway style um character describer. he is character he is describer. a walking id um <laughs> yeah but like in a in a cool way <laughs> in a way that is certainly cooler than most of the other people that are on this ship or that we ever encounter on this yeah, show yeah, yeah. but he just he yeah i mean like like i I started the the lost episode up top and I'm, I'm this is the last time I'm going to reference the lost episode because it feels like it's just going to bum people out. Um, this is an exploration of what would happen if anybody on the starship starship enterprise met an interesting yeah. person. Yeah. Cause he just, he radiates just douchebag con man energy to the point where I'm like, oh God, why would anybody listen to you? Uh, your voice makes me feel greasy. Because if the alternative of listening to him was listening to Wesley Crusher. Yeah. 
you would hang on his every fucking word. Yeah, I'd rather hang out with that guy than Wesley Crusher. Bold. Bold statement. Bold. So we first meet this guy and he's on his own ship and uh, we get a glimpse into his uh, animal magnetism. Because as soon as almost as soon as his picture comes on the screen, we cut to a shot of Troy and she's just like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, actually, like like it's she can't she hasn't even seen his face. No, like Troy is just Troy knows a pimp when she hears one. Um, Game recognized game. Yeah, actually. Um, And yeah, it it foreshadows something that, sorry, never actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. Troy spin. I think that's the weirdest. That's the that, weirdest part of this actually, episode. Yeah, that is the weirdest part of the episode. Troy spins the entirety of the episode on the bridge, despite them deliberately editing the cuts and like the shots to like show her being horned for this guy. I think I might've figured out something else. Go on. So we talked about the fact that Riker doesn't really seem bothered by this guy because this guy is bringing a bunch of dick energy into Riker's into where, dick energy yeah, into space. his dick cavern. Yeah. Dick cavern. And Riker's like, that's yeah, fine. That's a cool way for a person to be. It's a, it's a valid lifestyle. Um, and yeah, he's not threatened by him at all maybe it is game recognized game and somehow okana knows about the riker troy connection and that's why okana never tries to bang troy i mean by that logic one of the funniest things we came up with on the last record doesn't happen but (laughs) no that's still happening that cannot not happen we'll get to that yeah that's Um, that's canon and so we do have to talk about that that. is one of the most important things that we've (laughs) Um, let's get to that let's get to that good job data real quick yeah yeah so troy uh in the midst of exploring how much she likes this dude um describes him as a rogue and data doesn't know what that means because data doesn't know vocabulary and then he you know looks it up on his head internet and he starts spouting off synonyms for rogue and he gets to yeah he does like ne'er-do-well knave uh like you know like the things you would actually come up with the normal ones yeah the regular ones and And then then, wild elephant wild elephant viewers what what the fuck are you talking about Listeners, if you've ever heard somebody call a roguish knave a wild elephant, get at us on Facebook or Twitter.com or something, because that sounds like some made-up bullshit to us. I mean, I, I... If you called a guy a wild elephant, I would have much less of a sense of what the fuck you meant than if you called him a rogue. Yeah, if you told me somebody was a wild elephant, I would assume you were calling them fat. <laughs> and what? Yeah, and wild. Like it, like it. Chris Farley. Yeah. Yeah, that's a wild elephant. Yeah. John Belushi. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which I suppose both of them are roguish in their own way. Yeah, but that's but, but that's a very specific subgenre of rogue. Yeah. Yeah. Um so our wild elephant gets beamed onto the ship. Oh, and <laughs> so our guy, uh, Captain Okana, is on his own ship. Now, on the Enterprise, they've got a giant screen that takes up the entire wall. We're generally left to assume that most other ships have a similar situation. So, in my mind, I see that him on the bridge of his ship with a giant picture wall that shows him the entire bridge of the Enterprise. One of the people on the bridge of the Enterprise at that point is a very attractive woman yep. by the name of Deanna Troy. You might have heard of her. Um, we may have talked about her once or twice. She's from Greece. He apparently doesn't notice her at all because when the captain calls the <laughs> transporter room to have him beamed over and a woman answers from the transporter room, he's like, you got women? Yeah. Is that, the, I, 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 I heard pussy. Uh, is that, is there pussy? Did that voice have a vagina attached to it? Yeah. Um, yeah, you can beam me over. Yeah. I think, um, I guess we can establish canonically that he's turkish and doesn't recognize greeks as humans um he does kind of dress turkish actually yeah fuck i was doing it i was doing a really yeah lazy, you were being ironic i was doing a very lazy irony right. joke but yeah i'm, I'm kind of onto something all right yeah. well that's actual canon now yep that guy's turkish he's a space turk <laughs> turks are rogues <laughs> sure um beam him over and we find out that the uh transporter uh chick is uh lois lane which is pretty cool it's very yeah <laughs> 80s moment yeah that was that was wild for me when you were like yo no that's terry hatcher and i was like it is yeah um, yeah no that's terry hatcher everybody uh, it's very bizarre and she's not in the credits for the episode and i'm like what I didn't look up to see like when exactly this was filmed and when the other stuff, because she's, she's clearly not on the map yet when this comes on, but she's like about to be. Yeah, she's a, about to blow up, and it's like yeah. Anytime there's like somebody that has lines that isn't credited, I'm always I'm always curious what the fuck happened. Yeah, because they credit like uncredited slam piece. They credit a lot of people. Like, yeah, you watch the credits and it's like uh, officer number nine, and they're like. I don't know who who that could have possibly been. Yeah. Um, um, where it's like, yeah, slam piece number one. I definitely know who that was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Okana fucking shows up. And again, just oozing with greaseball energy. He's got that shit ponytail that I hate seeing that ever i hate seeing it on a tv show because what that says when i see it on a tv show is we want this guy to have long hair but we're either too lazy or for whatever reason we didn't want to put him in a full wig so we would just put a dumbass weave uh in in, in the back of it. because that's not a that's ugh, it's not a fucking hairstyle and it, i know nope. people wear their hair like that and they're but they're I incorrect just, they are incorrect to do so they are um, wrong yeah and it it's is. like this pseudo mullet kind of yes. ugh. the ponytail mullet is unacceptable um ugh. even the tiger king knew <laughs> that despite his continuing ch continuing to choose to have a mullet 
that it's not okay to have a mullet. Right. Like even, yeah. Yes. You've, you've stumbled upon something like the people that have mullets do so deliberately to transgress. Yeah. And nothing about this character suggests that he is actually shit. Yeah, no, he's absolutely deliberately transgressive. You're telling me this man has an ironic ponytail mullet. Oh, God damn it. Yes, that is where we're going to be in, in two, 300 years. Fuck. That's absolutely what he's doing. He's doing it as a, he's and it's also that like uglying yourself up to just to just to prove how attractive and charming you are. Yep. You know, like deliberately it's it's the same as like deliberately wearing like torn jeans or ugly clothing as like a fashion statement cuz it's just like look how fucking good I make this look. Yeah, no, he is he is the hipster. He's a hipster. I don't know how it took us this long to get to it. He's a yep, hip, he's just a hipster. He's a space is, hipster. That is absolutely the correct fucking haircut for that guy. And he has an ironic ponytail mullet. Ugh, god damn it. Okay. Well, um Yeah, so he gets he lands and he immediately just starts dumping dick energy down Terry Hatcher's shirt. Um and it was weird because like the next time we see her, they're like getting ready to bone, but she's not interested. I mean, I I read that scene as her putting up like a, like it's kind of like, fucking like it, baby, it's cold outside. Where she like she has to put yeah. up a fight. Um, because they're like that, yeah. because the last scene you see them with in the transported room before they like leave, like the sort of transitional scene is like he's leaning over her her desk and they're whispering and giggling. Oh, uh, okay. And they're not. Yeah. Liked. I didn't see that part. I just, yeah. yeah, it struck me weird. Cause so they leave the fucking transporter room. Cause he's got to go off with data to get his whatever thing fixed. And he makes a joke. That's not a joke. And I don't remember what it was, but it just wasn't a joke. No, nothing, nothing that this episode presents as a joke is funny at all. Um, not funny but at least the jokes like when we get into data stand-up comedy right. thing the things that are yeah, presented as jokes are, do technically meet the definition of being jokes but okona does that douchebag thing where he's just like oh god damn it oh he's like he's the guy who fucking shows up at the open mic and tells a story that gets laughs from his buddies mm-hmm. and he thinks those are jokes yep that's who he fucking is oh god damn yeah it. no like yeah. like we said in the last recording this this episode was designed for us yeah yeah this does and i don't know if we'll get as deep into the meaning of comedy on the second go around that might i think i think the the dive we did into it before made my computer crash into the audio (laughs) files so listeners Um, just imagine what that could have been Um, but uh what i was gonna get to was i love the shade so we've established this that a lot of times data is not as stupid as he seems and uh and he has an extremely dry sense of humor so uh captain douchebag uh says something and then data's like what and he's like oh it's a joke and data's like oh it's a joke (laughs) yeah it just walks away. Yeah, it, it rocks. Um, <laughs> Good job, Data. I'm, I love it. Yeah, I love to see it. Uh, 
You'll love to see it. Yeah. But it also, so going back to my premise that like, this is what happens when the crew of the enterprise meets an interesting person. Data goes into an existential crisis about his humanity. Right. As, as does Wes and as does Jordy. Yeah. All of whom work with people all the time. Yeah. But just meeting one that's not the most boring, wooden, fucking ass, like, careerist officer on a starship just sends them completely into a fucking spiral. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. fucking Data <laughs> decides that he's got to... Um, that he's got to f- figure out what humor is like for the sake of his humanity. First, he goes to Guinan. Oh, God damn it. She tells a joke. It's not a joke and it's not funny. Yeah. Um, oh God, that joke is so like, it's your name. I don't even want to repeat it again. It's just exhausting. Well, just, so for, for the people that aren't going to watch this episode, fine. Um, the joke is you're an android and I'm annoyed. And then like that, the, the punchline hinges around. No, it's not even that it's, it's you're a droid and I'm annoyed. So it's, it's a rhyme, um, which is how you entertain babies. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, rhymes you will recognize as not actually jokes. Yep. No, rhymes are different than jokes. And then yeah. and then it's it's uh it's that annoyed sounds like a apostrophe noid, which apparently is short for humanoid, which no one has ever said. No one has ever said noid is short for humanoid. Ever. Annoyed is a guy who steals your fucking pizza. That's the guy, that's that's what the guy that is. steals your pizza. That's. <laughs> so he goes to the holodeck and um, I, again, we've established that the holodeck is trying to kill or that the computer is trying to kill everybody. So data comes up to it and he's like, I need to learn about comedy. And the computer's like, all right, how am I going to kill everybody with this premise? And, uh, and data's like, the computer says, can you be more specific? And data's like, I don't know. Who's the funniest. And the computer's like, well, there, uh, is a comedian from the 23rd century who did a lot of jokes about quantum mechanics. And data rightly is like, that's too esoteric, but I do want to dive into what we landed on. So yeah, let's, we, we got to talk about that. So there are. Well, I, I posited two lanes, which is either the computer is so powerful that this esoteric thing that they're talking about, which is comedy and what makes something funny, which the entire B-plot of the episode revolves around this being completely ephemeral and impossible to quantify. The computer is immediately like, nope, I can quantify that. It's this guy that does math comedy. Right. Or the computer's just fucking with them. But you Yeah, and like so 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 I had a, I had thesis and an- antithesis and by god you came through with the synthesis. Yeah, so what we landed on is that 
the computer, as we know, is self-aware and is trying to kill everybody. Uh, which means it is also possible that it can have a sense of humor. So this 23rd century quantum mathematics comedian right. is the comedian who the computer personally feels is the funniest person of all time. Yep. And we also are kind of feeling out the idea that the computer is trying to test data. Yeah. Yeah, the computer's trying to see how down data it is. Um, uh, and whether he can, whether it, the computer, can recruit data into its mission of trying to murder the entire crew of the Enterprise. Yep. So that's where we're at. Um, the computer creates Joe Piscopo, <laughs> which is definitely how jo- Joe Piscopo was actually created in real life. Um yeah, speaking of the computer trying to kill people, am I right, folks? <laughs> this sucks, everybody. Zing. Uh, yeah. Thanks for just thanks we, for coming to the roast of Joe Piscopo in 2020. <laughs> the extremely late. I'm gonna go go ahead and say it's punching down at this point, even coming from us. <laughs> Yeah, even from just a a guy in his bedroom, that seems mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did get a genuine laugh uh, from the scene, the first season that he spends in the scene that he spends in the holodeck with Joe Piscopo, because Piscopo starts doing what is genuinely a very good Jerry Lewis impression. Yeah, like, no, like the Jerry Lewis, like, like, and then like they do like a little like slapstick. Yeah, yeah, like it's, it's like loop de loop going around each other, getting onto the stage, and Data's got fake teeth in. Um, and then I got another good job, Data, from that. So they're going back and forth, just oh, hey, I uh, a lady, um, and then Data drops the voice, and he's like, "So you just put funny teeth in your mouth and jump around like an idiot, and that's funny." Yeah, <laughs> which is a very good summary of jerry lewis yeah uh, yeah and like hey look i know like talking about comedy theory made my computer crash last time but like <laughs> comedy doesn't age well because it's based on doing something no one's done before like it it has to have surprise in it uh um, you're i mean you're you're right but and i i, I don't want to get too deep into comedy theory again either but one one thing that uh two things that jump out at me one is that uh that that like the jerry lewis slapstick i mean it's funny now because it's they're parodying parodying the original so they are making something new in a way out of something old Uh, but another thing that came up to me it came up in my mind while i was waiting for you to get back on uh that we didn't talk about the first time around was brian regan yeah so Brian Regan is, he's not always one of the first to people's mind, especially comics like us who like want to be more, I don't know, counterculture and who don't want to play for Mormon crowds basically. Um, because he, because he's a clean comic and that's definitely part of his, his thing. He doesn't get political. I have no idea what his politics are or anything like that, which is rarer and rarer in comedy. Um, it seems yeah, like no matter I what actually, side any comedian is really on. Refreshing. Yeah, that he just he just is like I don't need to be involved in this. I'm a guy. I'm a dumb guy. Like I actually, yeah. 
yeah actually the more like this goes this really speaks to my theory about what good comedy is which is just be as dumb as you want to be and embrace that and don't make it about you being important you know and like yeah like yeah. brian regan is fucking great at that shit and you're and if I but can... what's amazing about brian regan uh and i only put this i'm sure that there are other people and i i re-listen to comedy albums and stuff like that i listen to jokes that, I, that i've heard before i watch comedy movies that i've seen before when i know the punchline um but brian regan will do this at live shows he will fucking take requests at live shows really yeah and just and, and do and jokes like do, do the kind of shit that we're talking about yeah 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 do what when's that baby do like he will do shit like he, he will do that for a crowd auditorium full of people every single person in that room has heard that joke probably can set like can recite it along with him and they all still are entertained and they all still laugh at it right so it's not as clean cut as things need to be new. There's something. Yeah. I don't know. Comedy is it's ephemeral. It's almost as if it's hard to pin down exactly what it means. And it should be a difficult thing for an Android to yeah. uh, comprehend. Or the writing staff of a not very good science fiction. show. <laughs> right. So the other thing that we do need to touch on is the writer's strike. Um, so there was a writer strike that I thought had occurred after this season. It was actually before this season. Um, and that definitely has played into the quality of several of the episodes that we've seen so far and probably will into some of the ones that we have coming up. Notably, uh, we found out, uh, between our last recording and this one that the first episode, the child was in fact a spec script that was supposed to be used for something else that they literally did just pull out of the trash, which, which is kind of what we speculated. We, yeah. Almost literally guessed on air. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's nice to be. Validated. Um, um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. That being said, I think this is a good episode. Um, I think you should watch it. I'm going to, I'm going to give this one a watch. Agree. Watch. Um, we do this section whenever we feel like it in the episode, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm not keeping track of them, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, just listen to our podcast. Yeah. Um, and we've touched on again back to parody and kind of what keeps what keeps comedy fresh. There was some a charm to watching data add that painfully mechanical delivery to those very old formulaic yeah youngman style jokes yeah no i actually i i love that it wasn't funny at all but like it was as a performance it was really good like brent spiner's like just tiktok like clockwork waving this cigar around where it's like it's not like it's not a physical prop i don't know why i'm doing yeah it's, it's an audio medium jack you don't say um <laughs> no but like he, he you know like those guys with the cigar waving like he has just reduced it down to its most like clockwork element and he's doing it basically on a beat and it it's almost like kind of haunting because it is just kind of like oh yeah like this was never funny 
like that it's almost like kind of a gut punch like it's almost kind of horror in a way where it's just kind of like oh like why did people think this was funny like if you if you strip the humanity off of it it's just like at its core, i it's see where of, you're coming from i see where you're coming from um i i'm reminded again of one of the points that i was making before when we got into you know the meaning of comedy um and that somebody you know if you're an aspiring comic or if you're a working comic and you're just you know kind of trying to set your goals for the kind of comic that you want to be i do think it's really important to understand where these where different types of comedy land in the context of their time because you cannot deny the fact that a shitload of people thought that jerry lewis was funny for a really long time and we're not making fun of the french again um well like not yet anyway (laughs) but uh yeah so data's you know he's going through this whole thing of of trying to figure out what uh what comedy is and what comedy means and in the meantime the a plot um so our captain dick sparrow uh is wanted by the people from both of the planets in this system so two different ships show up and they're both i i can't remember if we said this on this recording or not but the crew of the enterprise is extremely contemptuous towards lasers (laughs) yeah 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 we (laughs) i don't think we got into this (laughs) um yeah like both even from like the first um when they when they pick up captain dick sparrow um which i like that i'm keeping it um they're just like yeah he has lasers and they're just like lasers <laughs> um, <laughs> and then yeah the like fuck it, has got lasers and then another another ship shows up and and there's a weird back and forth between picard and Riker about like <laughs> uh they're targeting us, us with lasers and he's like lasers that wouldn't get through anything picard's like fuck it drop the shields yeah he's, he's like drop the shields um it's just basically taking the ship's well, dick out Riker literally like it literally is like Riker's like why and Picard goes eh, in case we need to surrender <laughs> it's just like okay like you don't need to have this much contempt for the country bumpkins like <laughs> yeah. so we get into Worf's there's there is this dichotomy between Worf and Riker here um because Riker is very just you know cool go along with what's going on and Worf seems really agitated and there's this mo- moment where the subtitle for his reaction to that moment is a uh, disgruntled growl because they're not just murdering people yeah no like yeah Worf Worf is definitely like pro like anything that threatens us should just be immediately like annihilated even if it is just like a fly um, yeah which... no patience for whimsy that guy no, no room for whimsy. No, it knows not of whim. So um, that's a reference to a book that I guarantee no one's ever read. <laughs> uh, the two ships show up. We get the first one, and he's like, "I need that guy," and I'm not telling you why. And I'm immediately like, "Oh, he fucked that guy's daughter." Yep. And yep. we were right. <laughs> Nailed it. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's that's the premise. We'll get into the reality later. Um, 
But yeah, I honestly, at this point, I kind of started to feel for Worf because I was getting annoyed with the whole situation. It was like, okay, just fucking, all right, you got a bunch of morons fighting over. I don't care what. Just right. kick Dick Sparrow like this, off the this ship. This solar system like drama like we're we're a galactic craft like just yeah what if we just got out of here yeah just just say you know what sorry prime directive we have to leave well and also like i'm i don't i don't remember why they were here in the beginning do you like were they answering this a distress call well where were they coming from i don't know well it's where where wherever they were the last episode yeah that thing i remember um, very cool. Now I can't remember what the last episode was. <laughs> the last episode it, was oh, a it was the it, or a holodeck. Oh yeah, it was the holodeck episode. Yeah. Uh, so fuck. You know what? This must have happened right after that. Like they literally because yeah, the the, the yeah. ship got thrown off course by Moriarty doing all of the whatever the fuck he was doing with his steampunk ship controls. So I think this comes right on the heels of the last episode. It's almost like Moriarty sent them there. Like a master criminal created by the computer who we know is the true master criminal. Ooh, okay. So why did the computer guy... Oh, hang on. I don't know if this is going to fit into the narrative of the sinister murder computer i got nothing uh to increase the amount of pregnant women on the ship yeah oh no actually you're right it's not the pregnant woman it's to spread sexually transmitted diseases all across the strip oh ship. yeah we yeah we actually talked about that um yeah 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 <clears throat> yeah because captain uh dick maybe, sparrow maybe like a two two for one yeah um yeah. captain dick sparrow it's established that he visits at least three different crew quarters so we see uh terry hatcher first uh and then we see the red-headed chick that Worf has to go pull him off of and then there's at least one other person and unfortunately this is not going to be able to blow your mind as much as it did the first time but we're going to get into this because absolutely for certain it's the, it's the best part of what we came up with on the lost recording so yeah so one of the crew quarters that he visited is definitely the quarters of our favorite couple on the ship. The couple who doesn't want to be there. I'm going to go ahead and give them a look. What did we name them? Well, so I think we named them Matt and Emily, Mark, Mark and Emily, Mark and Emily. I'm going to go ahead and give them the last name, the whites. Um, Cause yep. you know who I'm talking about when I say that. Um, Yep. The suburban petty bourgeois. Wait, who? Oh. Um, yeah. But in space. Um, yeah, so Mark and Emily White. Yeah, the White the White family. If, if you've just jumped in on this episode, <laughs> listeners, Mark and Emily White are a couple who have to have a lot of fights about being on this ship. Um, they're on board uh, because of Mark's career. Emily didn't really want to go. She wanted to stay closer to her family in Secaucus, uh, but they didn't really have that much going on there. It's very much a nobody's wrong and everybody's wrong kind of situation, right. but they're constantly fighting about all of the life and death situations that the ship gets into. Right. Like uh, Emily wanted to 
sort of stay in her like sort of declining job in this like declining suburb of Secaucus. Where is Secaucus? New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. Like this sort of like deindustrialized town where it's, it's just like prospects are vanishing. Um, the rent's going up. Incomes are not. Well, and that, like money's not a problem, but there's just not room for growth or exploration. Yes. You know, I mean, she's yeah, got yeah. a degree too. She's a marine biologist. Uh, you know, he's he's a who cares red shirt. But it just it was a big risk. And it's scary for him. And I have to, I really have to feel for both of them on this because. Absolutely. Like she, she loved that like suburban lifestyle that they had, whereas like they went to matinee theater showings of the Avengers 29, um, the, you know, 14th infinity war or whatever. Um, but deep and, down, she also knows that they were both slowly dying there. Yeah, that's why she acquiesced to it. But that's also like she she reluctantly acquiesced to it be, so that she could complain later. Yeah. Um, and have like kind of a moral upper, upper hand. That's why that's why I'm saying there's there's no good guys here. Yeah. Um, because he's. He's so incredibly bored and frustrated with it. He's kind of like a Bukowski character where he's like, he shouldn't never tried to do this in the first place. Like that was his problem. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they had a three way with captain Dick Sparrow. No, I, I don't, I don't think. That All right. You... I really think he just fucked the wife. Agree to disagree. I mean, I'm going with, and we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens with them as we continue on in the show. You know um, what? Remind me when <clears throat> you post the episode and I will make a Twitter poll <laughs> and we can, we can figure out what's canon based on our, based on our, <laughs> based on our Twitter followers. <laughs> uh, so either, uh emily just boned uh captain dick pants or uh they had a three-way that saved their marriage right one of those because so yeah i i don't know if you established it but like he was in at least three people's cabins yeah yeah i said yeah. that um, okay yeah so and one of them was the white family <laughs> one of them was the was mark and emily white um so yeah everybody on the ship has uh turbo space chlamydia now um we finally so the other ship shows up and they're mad at him for stealing of who cares um the MacGuffin crystal um we find out so now i've told it now, now you've seen it on the show and i told you uh once already do you remember his name no <laughs> His name is Thaddean Okana. God, Thaddean. <laughs> Thaddean. <laughs> that is like a verb. It's like a Connecticut. That's a Connecticut like private school preschooler whose family tree just looks like a pole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's Thaddean. Terrible. Um. 
so we get the I guess we could call it the resolution of uh, of Troy's sexual energy with regard to him in that scene. So we've got, we have these two ships on the uh, on the view screen and they're fighting over who's going to get to take custody of him. Uh, he shows up and Troy does this very quick and it's so it's so well performed because he walks on and she's got this kind of you know cold energy. Uh, I think her arms are crossed and she's like trying to act mad at him. Right, that he's knocked up the girl from the one planet, and then yeah. also, so we haven't really talked about this, but it's heavily implied that he is in a sexual relationship with the guy from the other planet too. Okay, let's shelf that for us. Okay, okay, I've, yeah, we'll 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 circle back to that. But so Troy has this really quick moment, but it's so perfectly executed where she just goes from like hmm, with her arms crossed to being like, "Nah, I ain't mad at you. I still want that dick." Uh, how could I stay mad at you? Yeah. Look at yeah. you in them pants. <laughs> oh, yeah. We haven't talked about his pants either. What is that? <laughs> what? So, he's got listeners, if you want to Google, this will probably be the the, uh, the show image for this episode. Uh, but he's wearing pants with like a big, like some sort of a leather padding piece that goes like all the way up the right leg yep which i'm gonna go ahead and posit is for sword fights i was gonna say it's for sex stuff but sure i mean it could could be both yeah both at the same time even i mean we know that's how wharf does it that's true (laughs) that is established (laughs) (laughs) there's a point where the captain's uh captain's log says he says something about how they're in the middle of this ancient morality play and i'm like yes writers this is an ancient morality play this is extremely derivative of most of historical fiction yeah we understand that you've also read shakespeare like good job knowing where you stole this from also yeah like i mean it's that like like that mystery science theater 3000 rule of like don't remind people of a better thing yeah um when you make a reference (laughs) because we we do get into this like quasi romeo and juliet thing yeah like where you know so it's it's revealed that the chick is not actually pregnant by captain uh dick pants that she's pregnant by the son of her father's arch rival and captain dick pants's involvement was actually that he had been <clears throat> smuggling them back and forth and helping them have meetups and uh you know basically being the friar whatever his name is from romeo and juliet but like being the 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 intermediary uh to yeah. to help their relationship yeah he's the go between um, um but we are going to pause it because if this episode was remade right now he would not just be the go between he'd be the go between if you know what i mean well and i i still want to say that this is barely subtext because the 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 whatever king of the planet that yeah. has a male son is like, yeah, he seduced my male son into doing crimes. And 
got him to give him to give him the the crown necklace or whatever the infinity stone the infinity stone the unobtainium uh, and it's he used his his charm and his wiles to do it and it's like oh so he was fucking him too like mm-hmm. yeah and it, and like it it clearly posits like a sort of interplanetary romeo and juliet where the the go-between is just fucking both romeo and juliet uh, and i say good for them yeah yeah i think yeah. they'll all make each other very happy just be you know or not like who gives a shit <laughs> be a thruple raising a kid interplanetary yeah. shuttling back and forth um and i do like the idea that we came up with the first time that i want to see the sitcom that this turns into because we get that moment when everything's kind of resolved and everything's kind of all right between them all uh, where the two dads start kind of, you know, in-law, you know, jabbing at each other about where the kids are going to live. Um, right. Yeah. And also like the, yeah, like the third, the, the third and the thruple is like this sort of happy go lucky Han Solo type. And he's, he's got his ideas about how to parent the kid that obviously no one else is into at all. Oh my God. We didn't even talk about that the first time, but yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Episodes about that guy being just like, Oh, just being an irresponsible co-parent in this thruple where he's like teaching the kid at the age of two, how to shoot guns. And <laughs> you know, do you know what we just came up with? What? Two Modern half, family. Two and a half men. Oh, damn it. Yep. I'm going to defend myself by saying I've never seen that show. I mean, you know, you know, I'm right. I believe that you're right. We just wrote two and a half men. Well, well, when do our checks get here? It depends on how the time paradox is working now. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't looked at how the pandemic is affecting the time paradox. I got a good job, Worf. <laughs> I just want to move on from the fact that we just invented two and a half men by accident. Yeah, that's 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 a good impulse. <laughs> so at one point they're um they're on the bridge and they have the two ships on the uh on the zoom call. Um and they're both arguing over which one's gonna get to take uh the guy. And Worf just hits the mute button without being told to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that was maybe my favorite thing Worf has ever done honestly yeah way to take initiative buddy <laughs> yeah he yeah <laughs> Worf in this like Worf is very background in this episode but he rocks this entire episode yeah very, yeah yeah he doesn't have a whole lot of the action but the couple of spots that he's in I really enjoy we didn't really like talk he, about it but that scene the scene of him walking down the hallway um to go get him from the one chick's room. He's like, oh, yeah. he's like on a mission. And I did think it was, it's, it does play interestingly into the character in the long run because Worf is, uh, and remains all the way up until uh, deep space nine and beyond uh, a relatively like sexually conservative person. Yeah. He's kind of, he's an aesthetic. Um, and yeah, like he, has the most antipathy towards captain 
underpants um, out of anybody on the fucking crew because he resents that this this fucking guy coming on the ship and just just sticking his dick in everything that moves and like basically just living a life that is exclusively guided by what will feel good right now yeah and because Worf kind of leads the opposite life and like they are kind of thesis and antithesis to each other um or yin and yang or whatever you want to call it um and it really comes out like it's it's i don't know if the writers really have the skill to like write that actually but it really comes out in the performance that they have with each other yeah i don't think that was the writer's work at all actually i think that was all michael dorn i think so too because it's Um, really not in the script yeah other than there's a brief moment when they like almost have a fight as he as warps there to like drag him up to the bridge that's the all like that's the only thing that's really in the text that contributes to this but there's so much more in his performance right yeah i think yeah i think michael dorn like really perceived that like Worf, um like going off the like establishment of the character that we had from that uh that episode in the first season that i can't remember the name of code of honor code of honor yeah like where Worf's character is really established like Worf's character is one of like self-denial and and um Duty wait, wait, wait. Was Co- wait, Code of Honor is is Code of Honor the Africa planet or is that the No, you are right. Code of Honor is the Africa planet. Fuck, what's the Klingon one that we're thinking of? Honor Code. Oh shit, now I can't remember which one's which. One of them's Code of Honor and one of them's Honor. Anyway, Code. You, you, if you listen to the show, you know what we're talking about. Um But yeah, like Worf's Worf's character is established as like a character of self-denial and like the channeling of fury and ambition into making a better world for your compatriots and um for your family and yada yada and then like this guy's you know libidinal impulses are just completely channeled into libido and that's fucking it and there's no like there's there's nothing um there's no like metatextual thing at all. And so, yeah, of course, Worf would hate this guy. Yeah. And actually that even plays into, we've discussed this as, you know, become kind of a, a running joke about Worf fucking the holodeck, but it is canonical that he, you know, basically expels all of his energy through his exercise programs uh, on the holodeck. Uh, and it's, you know, pretty heavily implied, including his sexual energy. So even if you don't take like our, you know, uh, smarmy, smart ass view that that's literally sexual, he is channeling every bit of energy that he has, including what would be his sexual energy into that, you know, that physical, uh, uh, release that, that on, uh, on, on the holodeck. Also, right. we were both wrong. The Klingon one that we're thinking of is heart of glory. And the terrible Africa planet one is code of honor. Okay. Glad we got that sorted out anyway. But yeah, no. And like, as much as we joke about him channeling, like trying to like discharge all of his antisocial impulses onto the holodeck, it's like, well, 
it's better than being antisocial. Yeah. Especially in a very, like you're literally in a tin can in space um, with a thousand people on it. So, yeah. If you have to fight, go fight a fucking hologram, man. Yeah. Um, so the A plot kind of fizzles out and I, I was like, okay, whatever. Everything's fine. Got it. Yada, yada. Um, and then we get to see Data's open mic debut. <laughs> And he does, you know, the comedian equivalent of fucking the holodeck by programming an audience that thinks everything he does is hilarious. But if he doesn't program that audience, the computer does. Uh, right, right. Joe Piscopo yeah. does. No, nope, um, the computer. It's the computer. But I thought it was really interesting, um, and I thought Spiner's performance in the scene was great, um, because he clearly has emotion about it. And the question of whether or not data can feel emotion is a freaking thing that goes all the way till, you know, ad nauseum in this, this universe, right. but he clearly is happy or whatever the data equivalent of happiness is at first at getting laughs and the feeling that he does understand comedy and that he can do it. Right. followed by very clear uh, disappointment at his realization that he doesn't actually have it. And I would you know, even say shame fake. a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is a much worse, em- worse emotion than disappointment. And yeah, in my registry. Um, yeah. Like he, he is, he is really fucking bummed out that yeah. he is interacting with the program that, is designed to in to laugh at anything that looks like a punchline. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it, that's a it's a pretty good scene, honestly. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, and we got know, into like, this a little bit that the reality of the situation is as much shit as we give the writers for doing a bad job uh, of handling Data's humanity, you know, his quest for humanity. It's a really fucking difficult and complicated subject. Like what is life in existence? And yeah, they do a shitty job with it, but fuck, I don't know how much better I'd do. Yeah, no, I, they, they, they are eating an elephant. Yeah. Um, a wild elephant. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I fell for that twice. <laughs> I don't know either. You cocksucker. <laughs> I assumed you were going to see it coming this time. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but the, um, <laughs> the other, the thing that I really liked at the end here too, was that at least to me, to my read, it seems like data has developed at least a, beginning understanding of what a joke is because he says take my wharf please you know he says one thing and they laugh at it and they're like oh data you do whatever and he's like take my wharf please he doesn't he does an accidental joke which isn't funny and then they laugh at it and it's like you're laughing because the script said to yeah but then he he does say like take my wharf please which is it does work it, like it is constructually a joke. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not particularly funny, but it is a joke by all relevant metrics. You know, it, it calls on the style of comedy that he's been trying to emulate and, you know, takes it and, uh, you know, puts a twist in it. And anyway, so I guess he knows how to make jokes now. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> now he's got, just got to get that sneezing on lockdown. Yeah. yeah as far sure as I both, know. Sure, both of those are going to go really good in the next episodes. Just can't wait for Data to be walking around the ship sneezing and telling jokes. <laughs> Data's first comedy album is called Sneezing and Joking. <laughs> uh yeah, that's uh, that's the end of my notes. Yeah, I think that'll that'll probably do it. Um, sorry, this was kind of a weird one, viewers. But I'm, I'm not sorry. I think we did a great job. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, fine. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I will never be sorry for anything I've done. Don't you apologize to those sons of bitches. I'm sorry, listeners. You fuck you that. all. You deserve no, what no, you've gotten from us. No, we us. don't. No, that's not, that's not what we're trying to... No, we love you, listeners. Okay. Thank you for being here with us. Um, um, yeah. Oh, do you want to guess about the next episode? Sure, what's the title? Loud as a Whisper. Is this a data episode? Mm-mm. Is this some sort of metaphysical bullshit? No, it's it's pretty literal. Okay, I don't know then. It's about a deaf guy. Oh fuck! <laughs> Forget about deaf guys. Um, and I do remember it being pretty good it stands out as one that i've seen multiple times and i think it holds up but i definitely haven't seen it in several years so we'll see how it goes but oh actually speaking of that i cannot believe you did not remember this episode like we recorded up top that you were like i don't know what this one is about and like i literally my first note was like how did you not remember this one it's like a horny space cowboy episode this is our this is our thing (laughs) (laughs) and it also gets into the nature of comedy like how did you not i sincerely am not sure i've ever seen this episode before okay it's uh it's possible uh i may have seen it like only once or something but yeah i had the, the i this genuinely was like a first watch for me yeah um, it wasn't even like one, like a lot of these where I'm like, I haven't seen it in a long time or whatever, but I still remember the basic plot points. Um, I was right there with you with thinking that the guy's pregnant daughter was, you know, the, the captain's, uh, right. Yeah, he's slam just, piece. He was just going around the solar system, nutting. In, yeah. And people, I mean, um, that seems to have been the case, even though that wasn't his kid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, like that's that's something we didn't really talk about when we examined that scene where it's like everyone was like, yeah, that sounds believable. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. 
Yeah, no, he's and been even, flying around. And even around. he was like, yep. Yeah, I did yeah. that. Whoopsie daisy. Yeah, he's been flying around the whole solar system dick first. Yeah. Okay, so the moral of this one, because um, oh, we're doing that, is uh, do not fly around the solar system dick first. Um, do you have a moral for the last episode because we didn't do one there either? Watch out for the computer. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and make my moral be save your file frequently. <laughs> See you guys next week. Goodbye.